0: Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jamie Dixon. For more great content, visit klcmaine.com. All right, go with me to Colossians chapter two. We're gonna be reading through a large portion of scripture. Um, You know, sometimes um, maybe this is just me when I'm sermon prepping, I'll be reading and be like, oh, this is a really powerful verse. I'm not just a one verse guy, I'm a whole context guy. So I'm like, I want to read this. And then all of a sudden, I find myself looking at the whole chapter going, hmm, maybe we should just read the whole chapter. And then I had to force myself to dial it down. And um, we're actually going to be reading from, cha- from verse 6 to verse 23. So we've offered some help. And um, we're going to be going through it uh, in just a minute. Before we do that, um, I want to I lay some vision out in front of us. Um, how many of you guys know it says, uh, where, my, uh, uh, where there is no vision, my people perish? And uh, the reality is, is that um, I am astonished how many believers are living their life in obedience but without vision, um, living in the capacity to live out of concern of my past without vision for the future. Uh, how many believers are, are living um, in, uh, you know, serving the idea of religion but they are not um, recognizing or acknowledging who they are in the Lord and the assignment they've been given and the mission they've been called to live out in their life. And, and because of that, because of a lack of vision, there, there's the susceptibility to living an incredibly mediocre walk with the Lord. And when I say mediocre, I don't just mean on your part, I mean on what they're experiencing in the Lord. How many of you guys know there's so much more? There's so much more. There's so much more in him. And, and, and this morning, what we're going to be getting into is one of the things I think is a crutch for living and experiencing the more of what he's made available. How I many of so us know we do not worship an idea of God, we worship a real powerful living God. Uh, we do not fellowship with a concept or follow a belief. We are daily invited to encounter the power and the presence of God in our lives. Right? Um, One of my greatest joys as a leader um, is to continually help walk people into the daily life-giving fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. When people who have been walking with the concept and the idea of their faith their whole lives, and if I just get to be the person to look them in the eyes and say, did you know there's more? I, I, I know that you've enjoyed church. It's been good, hasn't it? It's helped, hasn't it? Did you know there's more? There's so much more in his presence. Did you know that despite whatever you think is going on in your life, you're daily invited to come and feast at the table and experience the tangible presence of God every single day? Do you actually get to share in his glorious splendor? Did you know that you get to hear the voice of a living God lead you, guide you, and direct you every day through even the hardships of life? Did you know that there's so much more? Did you, I know that you've been really navigating pain and brokenness in your life, but did you know there's freedom and liberty and healing that's instantly available in the presence of God? I had somebody this past week who um, who uh, was here a couple Sundays ago and I was preaching And I said something. They had started experiencing severe MS symptoms. Um, They had actually been healed. And all of a sudden, the MS symptoms started to Like really severely debilitate their life one week, and they were like like living in trauma and fear. And I started going down the road the power of our beliefs, and we started going into that whole thing. And in that moment, she just said, "I, in the name of Jesus, I repent for believing the lie that my healing is going in reverse." And that you know, and she started going into the realm. Did you know that she was instantly healed, and every symptom came right off of her body. Every symptom was completely healed. She was in tears the other day going like, I can't believe it. Everything was so severe and uh, completely healed. Um, Do you guys know there's so much more? There's so much more. Robert Barter was telling me the other day, the Lord woke him up and started doing something inside of him and so he put his hand on his belly and uh And he's just started going, I just come out of agreement with those lies I've been believing. And he just started going after it. And the power of God came all over him. And as far as we know, for the multiple days of him testing it, he's been completely healed from diabetes. Oh, man. What on earth? Do you know there's so much more? Do you know that you weren't called to survive this life? You're called to thrive in it. And uh, it's one of my greatest joys to see people like, did you know that you don't have to live in this weird relationship with God, that you're in a shame spiral every day before him, that you've been completely set free and you get to live and experience the joy of the Lord. And my my dream and my vision is not to build a great church in Central Maine. It's not. This is just the vehicle. My vision is, it's to literally change the landscape of Christianity in a region of America for eternity. That my children will not inherit a relationship with church, they'll inherit a relationship with a powerful, tangible, living God. That what was hard for us would become normal for my children. That they would not have to push past the muck of uh, religion, but they would actually be raised in the liberty and the freedom of access to the presence of God. When I first moved to Maine, I remember... Um, I felt like I came into a region that had a, a long history with the idea of God. But I, when I began to like interact with people, they actually didn't know his voice. I met a lot of people that had a deep relationship with church, really good church people. I mean, we, knew, we know how to do church. But if I begin to ask them about their relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit in their everyday life, there is no history there. And the vision of this house is that we would actually raise up powerful believers that have a deep relationship with the tangible presence of God, interacting and living in the eco-culture of His presence and and leadership of His Holy Spirit in their life, daily interacting and extracting all that God's made available, and that we would raise up generations where where literally the the reputation of a region of the United States of America would no longer be known for its history of church, but its current reality of loved, soaked worship who know the power and the presence of God in their life, that that would become the reputation of a region. Man, that's Revival Town over there. You guys all right? And so what I'm going to get into today is really connected to this vision, man. I, 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 want, to, I want to see generations of legacy created from this land of revival and awakening that's percolating inside of the individual heart of the, the believers, in New England. And, and so today we're going to talk about breaking out of a poverty mindset and breaking off the bondage of religion off our lives. Is that OK? Can we do that? All right. Colossians chapter 2, are you there? If not, you are now. All right, you ready? We're going to read it. Stay engaged. As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, everyone say beware. Beware. Lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of God, Bodily, and you are complete in him. Whoa. Turn to your neighbor and say, "You are complete in him." Uh, another way to say that is, you lack nothing. You are a finished product, baby. No work required. You are complete in him. Can we all say that? I am complete. In him, <clears throat> who is the head of all principalities and powers, in him you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross. He disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. How many guys know that was a good theological like one-two? That's good. You know when someone makes a really good argument, they're like, they lay out the facts so they can just land the upper hook, right? I'm gonna disarm all of your arguments for a second so I can say this. This is what he did. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath, all these things were a shadow of the things to come, but the substances of Christ. So let no one cheat you of your reward. Taking delight in false humility, the worship of angels intruding into the things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourishing together by joints, and ligaments uh, ligaments grows with the increase that's from God. Therefore, if you have died from the basic principles of the world, why is though, um, why is though living in the world? You continue to subject yourselves to its regulations. Now, I want you to read this with like the most sarcastic air quote tone from Paul: "Do not taste, do not touch, do not handle." Which all of these things can uh, are, are perishing with the use according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, the neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. All right, you guys ready? First of all, we have to understand that Jesus is confronting those that want to cheat uh, the, the uh, born again believers through the empty philosophies that were based on the histories of the traditions of the Jewish people. This is very important to understand is because I want you to imagine who's being spoken to. We're talking about where we are in this like critical moment of leadership of the church where Jews and Gentiles are being saved, Jesus emerged as a Jew, fulfilled the law of the Jewish people, all for the ability to, by fulfilling the law, of changing the law. Now, it says in the book of Hebrews, it says that when the priesthood changes, the law has to change as well. And so Jesus, now I'll get into this tonight at our Christology course, if you want to go a little deeper. We're We're getting into the Mosaic law. Come on, it's going to get fun tonight. I got 12 pages of notes. And it was an hour and a half of teaching last week. Some of you were like running for the hill. Some of you were like, oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, we'll go as long as you want. But it says that in the book of Hebrews, says that when, the law, when the priesthood changes, the law has to change as well. So Jesus came, a son from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, a, a tribe that had never had a priest before. And Jesus comes and he He becomes the slain lamb that would take away the sins of the world. He became the sacrifice, and he offered himself, which made him a high priest." And being a high priest from a tribe that had never had a priesthood, and allowed him by making the ultimate sacrifice for all mankind, taking sins upon himself and then uh, and offering them in exchange for your sinful humanity. And, by, uh, and, and in so doing imputing righteousness upon you, he became our high priest. And by fulfilling every law, he did not destroy the law, he fulfilled the law. And by becoming a priest of a different... Uh, tribe, he was able to write a new covenant between God and man, and he ch- exchanged the law of sin and death to the law of liberty and grace. And so Jesus delivered us into a new era, where we are, our relationship with God is no longer the law that reminded us of our lack; it was now the law that reminded us of our abundance. And so here you are, you have leaders of a church who are leading Gentiles who got no Jewish religious baggage. And then you got Jews that their entirety of their relationship with God and their righteousness was directly connected to the traditions of man and to behaviors that reflected, I need a savior to still come for me. Because the entire old covenant was completely a reminder of our sinful nature. It was a reminder that you're gonna sacrifice an animal, but the blood will never cover your sins. You still need a savior. And you're gonna have a, a harvest for uh, for food because... I don't know what just happened. Oh, thanks. <laughs> the devil's trying to shut me down. Not today. Not today. Um, it, so, so then you have... Uh, then then you have the the feast who who's trying to remind you that that uh, that if you, don't, if you don't have this feast and God doesn't bless this feast, that, that it's going to fail. But now we have a vine that never fails and a provision that's always available because of the victory that we have found in Jesus. You, you guys understand that every feast and every ritual was a reminder that we don't have a Messiah because we are incomplete and we need a Messiah to come to save us. And there is a reminder of our lack in everything that we did. And so now you have a people who are now saved in Jesus. That work has been accomplished. A new covenant that declares the abundance of the Messiah's work and salvation is now available through Jesus Christ and you have Jews coming in saying, it's really hard for me to let go of everything that used to like call me righteous. Everything that made me feel like I was finding some level of completion in. How do I lay all that down? And so this level of self-righteousness comes in through the imposed human religion based on traditions of man. And they start saying to the Gentiles, hey, 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 we wandered through the desert. We grew up making the sacrifices. You all didn't. You got to come do what we did so that you can be as good as us. We earned this. Salvation's first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. So let us teach you about circumcision. You're coming into our faith. No, we're not coming into yours. And these guys are coming in with no baggage. They're like, let's raise the dead. Oh. And the Jews are like, no, 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 no. Time out. Time out. We've got to do the feast. We've got to circumcise your, your flesh. We've got to do this, 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 and this. And this is what he comes and he says, let no one deceive you with the empty philosophies that are based upon the rituals and the traditions of man. Let no one cheat you of your reward. And he's speaking directly to this idea and this concept is that uh, there is no room to identify with that which has already been fulfilled. He goes on, he says this, "'Let no one judge you in food or in drink "'regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. "'These things are a shadow.'" Everyone say shadow. shadow. "'These things are a shadow of things to come, "'but the substance is of Christ.'" How many of you guys know that we are not in a relationship with a shadow? We are not in relationship with a shadow. We are not looking at God through reflections and shadows and types and symbols. We are looking directly at the face of God through the person of Jesus Christ. We have access where no generation before this new covenant had access. If I if I stand here, depending on which way you're you're looking. Um, there's a, the substance is, is my table. There's a light that's shining on it. That's the coming glory of the return of Jesus. Shining light on Jesus on the timeline of history and the generation before him only saw God through that. And if I'm standing here looking at a shadow, I can say it's round. It looks like a lollipop, a really big lollipop. <laughs> if it kind of looked like this, maybe we got Mickey Mouse over here. Um, and, and I can look at this and say, well, I don't know what color it is. I don't know what it's used for. I know it's real because it has a shadow. And we have to understand is that the feast and all of the laws were a shadow that if we would try to look at it, we would try to make sense of the one who's casting it. Who is God? God is righteous because there's a demand for righteousness in the law. Okay, we get that. We know that God is this, you know, because he, that he's a provider because um, he, he says to pray and he'll protect our crops. Like they're looking at all of the feasts and the symbols and the stories and the history and they're trying to make sense of God. And when Jesus walked, he became the very image of the glory of the father. He became the substance, the table that casted the shadow on generations. We now can see the face of God. We now know his purpose and his goodness and his love for humanity. We know that he came not for his anger, but he came for his love for us. That we know that he came to carry the sins of the world because the father was longing for relationship with me. I was not his mistake. I was his reward. I wouldn't have known that unless I saw the substance. And he goes, stop playing around with shadows and start looking at the substance, which is Jesus. Jesus. It's not about attending church. It's not, a, it's not about circumcising the flesh. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's not about feeding the poor or healing. It's all about fellowship with the substance, the one who made a way for you to fellowship with God for eternity. So don't let anyone tell you you're less because you didn't do this and you're less because you didn't do this or you're, you're not doing it right because you're not doing it this way or you can't walk in healing until you go to the healing conference or you can't do this unless you do this or if you're going to get free of that thing, you've got to break the computer and you've got to do X, Y, and Z. He goes, no, 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 no. No more deceitful, empty philosophies of the traditions of man. There's no power in it at all. You are not in relationship with a shadow. You are in relationship with the substance. So he goes, so let no one cheat you of your reward. What's the reward? That you would experience the fullness of what God has made available on this side of eternity. That you would experience the fullness of life that he has made available for you that you would experience the fullness of his power, that you would experience the fullness of his joy, that you would experience the fullness of healing. Come on, somebody. This is not your lot in life. If you are wrestling through pain in your life, this is not your lot in life. This is not your burden to bear. He desires that all would be healed. Come on, child. Let no one cheat your reward. Jesus ushered us into a new era. There once was a pattern of faith that caused us to identify with our lack and our need. In the Old Testament, faithfulness was governed by shame. I I will make you be obedient to the Lord for the rest of your life by telling you and informing you how, how much you lack. Morality was motivated by fear. There's punishment that's connected. Our need was motivated by our poverty. But in Jesus, Colossians says, you are complete in him, you lack nothing. It doesn't give you a list of accomplishments that you have to achieve before it can be said that you are complete. You are complete in him it says that sin has been cut away from from you through the circumcision of the heart. Guys, that literally means that sin was connected into the DNA of your very being because of the fall of man. But when Jesus died and rose again and you invited him to your heart and you were born again through salvation, it literally means that sinful nature was cut away from you it actually is not available unless you return to it and partner with it in your life. The sinful nature has been cut away by a circumcision that is not made with hands. It says that you who once were dead, you are now alive. That there is life that's available in Je- Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers against you. Listen, you know what one of my biggest pet peeves and like all of especially like prophetic, spiritual, Pentecostal, spirit-filled believers is my biggest pet peeves. Yes, I have some. I'm not all in on some of the things that we do, guys. One of my biggest pet peeves is this. Higher levels, bigger devils. Why do we do that? Why, why do we give the, the enemy so much power and influence over our lives? Why do we so exalt the, the power of the demonic all around us just because we're facing some big giants in our life? Why do we then go, oh, you're so big. I honor your strength. Why do we do that? How about this? Higher levels, more supernatural grace in your life to walk in what God's called you to why do we identify with things that we're not supposed to identify with? Why do we identify with lack when we're supposed to be identifying with abundance? Why do we identify with our, with our sinful nature when we're supposed to be identifying with the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ that's available to us? Why do we identify with our bondage when we should be identifying with our freedom and our liberty? Why do we identify with our poverty instead of identifying with the ability for God to provide for our life? You guys get what I'm saying? It says that all the accusations have been removed that were against you. So, why do we still host them internally? He says, Don't let anyone cheat your reward, which is living in the fullness of what God's made available. You are not supposed to identify with lacking, sinful, broken, sad, depression, suffering, emptiness. You are supposed to identify with powerful, righteous, whole, victorious. You are hell's worst nightmare you are literally not hell's like prey, you are hell's predator? You, come on, listen, right now we're all, we're all up in a tizzy because the world thinks that they can identify as whatever they want, right? I literally like, I heard a story recently about like, a kid who identified as a dog, bit another kid and the other kid refused to call him a dog and then that kid got suspended because he would not acknowledge what the kid was identifying with. It's weird, right? Like we're living in a world and a culture that you're going be allowed to identify and the church is all up in arms. The problem is, is that the church has been identifying as things that they aren't for far longer than the world has. Oh, uh, don't look at me that way. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And, you're, and we keep saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I identify as sinful. I'm not trying to be cheesy or quirky, but come on, we've been identifying as the wrong thing for a long time. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You, you, you carry the fullness of God in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. You are not a depraved, broken, unable to be righteous individual. I know that there is a day that you sinned and fall short of the glory every single day. Thank God that he imputed his righteousness upon you and you are now walking in the representation and the display of his glory through your life. And here we have in Colossians, he's saying, stop agreeing with the lies of the old man and the deceitfulness of the religious ways that went before this new covenant. Start identifying with who I say that you are. He says that you've had some liars in your religious walk, so come out of agreement with them because they try to use old tricks but keep getting the same bad results. Don't taste, don't touch, don't handle. And that does Nothing. He actually, he, uh, he goes on to say this. He, after day, he says, Do not taste, do not touch, do not handle. All of these things perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of man. These things indeed have an appearance of self-imposed religion, false humility, the neglect of the body. But you are, they are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And he goes... If you were raised with Jesus, then seek the things which are above where Christ is sitting, see at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth for you died and your life is in Christ. He literally says this. He says, he says I know that religion has been telling you for so long, do not taste, do not touch, do not handle, don't do this and don't do that and break the computer and do this and do that. How about get on fire for the presence of God, the one who's won your heart and you will lose all appetite for the indulgence of the flesh. I know that seems backwards to us. I know it seems backwards because we got to fear, intimidate, and control that if you can do this, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. The reality is that the church has been suffering with a vision problem for far too long. They don't know who they are and the results are coming out sideways. The reality is when the church knows who they are, they know what Jesus accomplished and they come into alignment with truth. They will walk in the power to overcome sin. They will walk in the victory that's on their life. They will pull the power of heaven down and see supernatural victory and the demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit every day of their life. This is the way that we've been called to walk in. Oh, we're so good at, God, just try to manage life and survive. No, seek the things which are above. Pursue the things. This is what you've been given access to. Stop stop getting into all this religious messing around with with shadows and symbols and types. Pursue him. This is where power in life is. If you look at Matthew chapter five, are we okay? Just a couple more minutes. I'm I'm just about done. In Matthew chapter five, um, we we know that this is this is the the, the uh, Magna Carta of the kingdom. Jesus, um, if you want to understand anything concerning that Jesus says concerning the kingdom, become so acquainted with the Sermon on the Mount; it'll unlock all understanding of the entire Gospels. And Jesus is standing there; a crowd is gathered, and they're saying, "Oh, this is our King, sword in his side. He's ready. He's leading us to build an earthly kingdom." And Jesus says to them, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now the the good Jewish person would say yes. Yes, blessed are you poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I've heard this taught so many times saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are, the, are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted as some sort of comforting tool to tell you it's okay to be where you are. But you are not supposed to identify with blessed are the poor in spirit. You're supposed to identify with, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You are not blessed because you're poor in spirit. You're blessed because yours is the kingdom of heaven. You're not supposed to be blessed because you hunger and thirst. You're supposed to be blessed because you will be filled. Yeah. That you are, your depravity is not your blessing. It's his abundance is your blessing. You're not supposed to identify with the pain of your life. You're supposed to identify with God's ability to show up and bring victory in the midst of it. It's making sense. In John chapter 3, we see, um, this, is my, this is my last verse, uh, in John chapter 3, we see John the Baptist has been out and gathering crowds in the field. And they're all coming. And this guy's wild, right? He's like hairs out long and eating locusts and honey and He's like living this life where I can't be comfortable. I can never be comfortable. I have to suffer for God. He takes deer hides, turns them inside out. He's just preaching all the time, just itching and uncomfortable and hot and sweaty in the desert, right? This guy literally is just suffering. Got to suffer. We got to suffer. Bless you, those who suffer. Got to suffer. Got to suffer. Prepare the way. There's one coming. He's an Old Testament prophet that was assigned to the message to prepare the people for the Messiah to come. Jesus comes walking on the scene, stops everything, Behold, the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world baptizes Jesus. This is the moment of transition, right? John is is arrested. His ministry comes to an end. His disciples ask him, they say, "Uh, Hey, John, um, the crowds that we once gathered are now going to somebody with a very different message. They're now going to somebody else. Is this okay? John, what do we do about this situation? And John says this. He says, listen, I am a friend of the bridegroom. The father has sent his son as a jealous bridegroom to pursue his bride, the church, to win her heart and love. And I am a friend that's just been assigned to get him ready for his wedding day. My time, the wedding day has come. My ministry is done. I have no more ministry for the bride has come. The bridegroom has come. May he increase and may I decrease. This was a very important theological statement. The old covenant is done. The bearer of the new covenant is here. We are not to preach a message that's in conflict with what God is doing right now. And so I have to decrease and he has to increase. we've all used this verse, like, may I decrease and may he increase. And I get what we're saying. May my flesh decrease and God increase my life. But how many of you guys know you are not supposed to identify with an Old Testament prophet that was supposed to be ending his ministry in light of Jesus? Because Jesus then came and says, better for you that I go because I'm gonna put my spirit in you and you will do even greater things than I do. And after he was resurrected from the dead, in Matthew 28, he appeared to his disciples and he says, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. And he says, literally go into all the earth and increase. The ministry of Jesus was not one where you're supposed to identify with lack and decrease, but you're actually identified with abundance and increase. That your ministry is supposed to increase. You're supposed to increase. Your born again salvation identity in your workplace is supposed to increase. Your power and influence in your society is supposed to increase. The power of your prayer life and your faithfulness to your family is supposed to increase. The demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is supposed to increase. You are not to identify with lack. You're supposed to identify with the power and the abundance of the Holy Spirit that resides within you. And we have an alignment issue where we've been listening to the deceitful liars of religion to put a millstone around our neck to tell us to sit down and shut up. But I want to say, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? We need to get set free from the lies of deception that are based upon the traditions of man. We say that the, literally the ceiling and the climax of Christianity is faithful attendance at church. Serving on the ministry team. This is it. I've arrived. Listen, I'm thankful. Don't stop serving. But, but, but here's, here's the point. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you carry? When the enemy starts coming at you with the old sinful stuff, are you going, oh no, I'm so vulnerable and I lack? Or are you saying this is illegal territory? I, have, I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This stuff is illegal in my life. He's cut it from me. I refuse to partner with it again. Right now, I call on the power and the presence of God to bring victory and breakthrough in my life. I refuse to go back to former things. Are you warring on the offense or are you continuing on the defense because you don't know who you are? Man, we have to come out of identifying with our lack and start coming into identifying with his abundance. Are we living in shame for our sins or are we angry at the illegal attempts of the enemy to try to deceive us again? Are we living in fear of others or powerfully carrying healthy Uh, are carrying healing to the broken because we know what we have inside of us? Are we relating with our poverty? Are we living with expectation of his supernatural provision? Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, I, I wanna encourage us this morning. I think that God just has extraordinary things to do in your life. I think there's so much more. There's so much more. Oh, man. I want it to be so easy for my kids to know that in any moment, they can just listen to the voice of God. In any moment that they feel like they're cornered, they can call on the power of God and know that there's supernatural deliverance and breakthrough right here, right now. I want your kids to know that. I want there to be a legacy and generations of people that know their access and live in the reward of his suffering, live in the reward of salvation, to know who they are, wouldn't it be awesome if it was easy? What was hard for us was easy for our kids. I want to pr- pluck some brands from the fire. And I want to see them walking in the, der- immediately in the identity of, of Christ, not the identity of religion. Why don't you guys stand with me? <clears throat> You know, I've, I've uh, I said this in the first service, I'll say it again. You know, I, I think, I, I was raised in non-denominational Christianity um, and it wasn't until I was a teenager that I kinda got around denominations and was like, oh, this is weird. We're all so hostile towards each other. <laughs> this is so strange. We really love our clans, you know? And um, so, what I'm about to say, I kind of found out later. Cause people will be asking me, like, what, "What denomination are you?" I was pastoring a church, and I was like, "I don't know what that means," because I was 18. And I, just, I had no idea. And um, I remember kind of having to realize that I was charismatic, and that was really strange for me that I had a category. Because I think sometimes people look at charismatics, and, and maybe this is true, but some people look at charismatics as like, an, as like a social disorder. Like a personality disorder. Oh, that's like the fragment of the church. That's just wild and crazy. They're just super hyper, hyper about everything in life. It's like, it's like a personality disorder. I Yes, the ADHD Christians all have their corner. It's called the charismatic non-denominational church, right? This works. People are running and, you know, this is my zone. For me, it was, like, do you not, like, the charismatic expressions of worship wasn't a denomination that I was raised in. It was a natural response to the beauty of God. I couldn't understand how you could not lose your ever loving mind when you begin to sing of the beauty and the worth of Jesus. And, and I really believe that we don't have personality issues. We actually have revelation issues. I could get up here and I could be like, souls are going to hell and you're doing nothing. Get on the streets and read this script and lead these people and do this, that, and the other. And that'd be fine. I'm trying to motivate you out of the need and fear and manipulation. But what if I just said, listen, you are carrying the healing of the nations and there's a world that's dying. Do you know who you are? Let us go. If we knew who you are, boldness would not be an issue if you knew who you are, timidity in worship would not be an issue. If you knew who you were, if you knew what Jesus had done for you, no personality, no situation in life would be able to get get in the way of you doing what you are called to do, who you're called to be. And I wanna see us walking in that kind of liberty and freedom that we are living out the fullness of the reward. Let no one cheat you of your reward, the fullness of the reward of our born again, experience in Jesus Christ. Come on, can you put a hand on your heart this morning?